You're listening to the Voicing Your Brand podcast, episode number 12. Welcome to Voicing Your Brand. I'm your host, Tammy Romani, and as a voiceover talent for more than 30 years, I've been a voice for many brands. But in today's digital marketing world, you've got to have your own voice for business. So now my mission is to help you learn how to use your voice for success by unlocking your authentic voice to tell your story and be heard. Are you ready? Welcome to the studio. You know, when we talk about voicing your brand, a lot of times I'm talking about your actual voice, but there's so much more to it than that. There's your story, there's your message, there's your appearance. It all comes together to be what is your brand voice. So today, I've got a professional copywriter on tap for you. I think you're going to love the information that she shares with us about coming up with your brand voice. And that's in your messaging, in all of your ads, your emails, your social media posts, even what you decide to talk about when you broadcast live. It all comes together to form your brand voice. So, I think you're going to like Nikki. I'm going to introduce her to you now, and let's get going with this interview. My guest today is Nikki Krozik. She's a professional copywriter with more than 15 years of experience writing for big brands like Adidas, TripAdvisor, and TJ Maxx, as well as working with small businesses and solopreneurs. She also owns a company that teaches people how to become professional copywriters. So there you go. If that's on your radar for what you want to do in the future, definitely connect with Nikki. She's dedicated to helping everyone perfect their messages and connect with their perfect target audiences. Nikki, I am so excited to have you join me today. I'm excited to be here, Tammy. Thanks for having me. Yes. So you all know that voicing your brand for me is more about your actual voice your physical voice, your tone, how you present yourself. And Nikki has another take on what your brand voice should be, and that is the words that you use and the copy that you use. So let's just, you know, start out from the gate, Nikki, by just going there. What do you think most entrepreneurs don't know about their messaging or their copywriting? So, you know, we talk about the, the brand voice um, and yes, for you, it's, it's all about how people sound and how they, they enunciate and, and all that kind of how they, they show up vocally. Um, but obviously a big part of that is the, the words that they're saying when they're showing up vocally. So even if they are, are well coached by you and, and they, they have a great presence, um, if what they're saying is not uh, not connecting with their target audience, isn't resonating with their target audience, um, they have a big problem. Um, I think the most entrepreneurs don't, maybe not even not know, but don't realize that messaging is, is really the most important thing you do. Getting your, getting your messaging correct is more important than, than really any of the other marketing elements combined. And obviously when you are, um, 
when you are speaking that message, uh, the combination of great messaging and um, and and a great vocal presence is can can sell like gangbusters, right? Or can can get people interested in you in in a hot second. Um, but on the other hand, if the the messaging is off, if it's if it's not connecting, if it doesn't, um, if it's not clear what the what the entrepreneur is offering, um, it's it's not going to connect, and uh, their target audience is it, they're going to miss their target audience completely. Um, it's it's crucial to their businesses. That's right. You know, I've heard I've heard the saying. I'm sure we've all heard it. A confused buyer is not a buyer at all. Like mm -hmm. they they are not going to buy if they don't know what you're offering. Mm -hmm. So let's let's kind of unpack that a little bit because I want to also say that if you have the right words, your presentation is going to be a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. You are going to be more interested in your topic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're just going to have an overall better experience in terms of getting your message across. So how would you say people begin to unlock their, well, let's just call it uncovering their story. Like how do people uncover their brand story? Sure. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. If, if, if when they're talking to someone, um, the or if they're presenting, whether it's by webinar or by podcast or something like that, as you said, if they don't choose the right words, um, it's it's just not going to it's not going to make that connection. Um, so the first thing really to do is to start talking to members of your target audience. I mean, and literally talk with them. <laughs> so get on the phone if you possibly can. Um, second best is by. Um, is by um, email or, or even in a Facebook group. If you have a Facebook group, that can be a great opportunity to get people talking amongst themselves. Because as you start asking them questions about what are the biggest frustrations they have in whatever industry you serve, um, what do they want most want to achieve in whatever industry you, achieve, you, you serve, um, you're going to start hearing words come up more and more. And these are the, start, the words that you want to really take note of and um, and and tuck away for when you need to put your copy together. Because if these are terms that your target audience is naturally using, when you use those terms, they're automatically going to connect with you. They're going to feel comfortable with you. They're going to, they're going to feel like you understand them because you use the same words to describe the frustration or the goals um, that they do. So that's a really great and an important place to start. I feel like you could almost stop right there. I mean, how many of us do that? We have our own idea of what our business needs to look like, what we offer to someone, the service that we provide, mm -hmm. and our own biases maybe get in there. But instead of looking at what do people want from me, we look at here, here's what I'm going to give you right now on this platter. What, what, why don't you want this? Why don't you mm -hmm. want this? Whereas if you just switched up some wording called it something different, oh my goodness, mm -hmm. it would be life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's really easy to get caught up in our, our industry buzzwords too. You know, if you are, if you're a life coach or if you're a health coach, if you're anything like that, you, it's because you're in the groups and you're talking with your peers and you're seeing what the, what your peers are doing or your, you know, quote unquote competition, if you 
believe in competition like that. But you know, you're looking at the words that they're using, and you may you may make the assumption that those are the right words to use that 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 will connect with the target audience, or you may even just unconsciously start using those words. But they might not be words that actually connect with your audience. You know, words like um, words like mindset. When it really comes down to it, maybe maybe in the entrepreneurial space, we have a better concept of what a mindset refers to. But for your average non-entrepreneur, for your average layperson, that might not connect with them at all. You might say mindset and lose them, you know, or things like like a heart-centered approach. Okay, well, what does that mean, you know? Right. You know, if you haven't read the books I've read or so on. Yeah. No, I, I remember still the first time I ever heard the word mindfulness, have a mm. mindful business. And I thought, what? I wonder what that means. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I truly had to take a step back and go, um, sure. Yeah, I'm good. I, I don't think I need that. Yeah, what well, my mind is full of my business all day long. <laughs> I have a very full mind. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I love that you said that industry buzzwords might actually be a turnoff mm -hmm. for your target audience. So how do people, well, you, you have said, ask your target audience, let's say we don't know what our niche is yet. Okay. Maybe you can help with, with paring this down and using the right words that will attract the people that you maybe even unknowingly want to serve. Is there a way to do that through copywriting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, another way to, to look at, and this is kind of a way to, to in a way, to, to test your copy or to, to get a sense for whether it's, it's any good or not, in kind of a weird way to put it, but um, it's to, to gauge the reactions you're getting. You know, if you send out an email to your list and, and you know, you put in your PS, hey, hit reply if blah, 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 or even without a asking them to reply, if people are sending back an email saying, oh my gosh, thank you so much, this meant a lot to me. Or um, if you post something on Facebook or on Instagram or something and you, it gets a big response, that should be, um, that should be a sign uh, that, that some of the words you used are really resonating with people, um, that your messaging is starting to find that right audience. And once you get people that are interacting with you, even if it's something little on Instagram, I mean, obviously you have to watch out for the bots and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, if you get someone who, who seems to be a real person who's interacting with you and saying, oh, thanks for posting this, I, I love this, or something like that, send reply right back to them and say thanks so much and ask the questions you would have asked on the phone or you would have asked of your Facebook group or your email followers say hey so glad this resonated with you let me ask you a question if you have a second what are your biggest goals or what are your and or you know what part of this industry are you most interested or that kind of thing um, it's it's almost kind of like the the pre-step to actually uh, surveying, inter uh, interacting with your audience. If you're getting people, if you're sending out emails or you're posting things um, or, you know, you, you have a, do a beta launch or something like that. Um, and well, I guess I'm really not really beta launch because it's pretty big, but anything that people are responding to, things that get them excited are another good indicator that you've, you've hit on something that works. And then if you're not quite sure what it is that works, ask them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And as a matter of fact, as I think back on my past few months, I've kind of done that 
I guess I didn't even realize I was as I started asking people the question, what is your biggest roadblock to, to being the voice of your brand or speaking about what you offer? Mm-hmm. I thought it would be, I hate the sound of my voice, ah. but you know what it was? No, what was it? I need more confidence. Oh, interesting. So, well, okay, that's your first thing. You better believe that now I am developing something that will help people with that. Mm-hmm. Because if you, we're, we can't work on your voice. And honestly, this is my, one of my little secrets. <laughs> 90% of the time, your voice is just fine. Oh. It is your confidence that you need to build. So I'm researching now, how can I build confidence in people and help them with this? Because you have to be your own storyteller now. You Mm -hmm. have to be the voice of your brand and you have to step out in boldness and confidence. What does that look like? So I was really surprised. And so thank you for reinforcing that. I didn't even realize that that (laughs) was the process I was going through and it kind of shocked me. Mm -hmm. Well, and then that, that allows you to, to add a hierarchy to your messaging. Like let's say, for example, you have a program, maybe you do uh, have a program that includes, or at least not yet, you will eventually have a program that includes confidence and working on your voice and something else and something else. Well, now you know that, um, that confidence is the most important thing. So when you're building out your sales page, that's that, that benefit gets the, gets the headline treatment, you know, maybe the other ones, are in the subhead or you know throughout the the rest of the the page but when you know what people really want then you highlight that in your literally in your biggest copy and in your you look for testimonials where previous clients have said oh my god she really helped me with my confidence and you use that in your your um your sections where you overcome objections and, you know, I don't feel like I'm confident enough to take this. Well, I teach you confidence, you know, all that kind of thing. It's a really, once you know what people are looking for more than anything else, um, it helps to add a, it helps to build a hierarchy for your messaging and not just on your sales page, really, you know, on your nurturing emails, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, Let's go into the actual how. How Mm -hmm. do I do this? I'm not a journalism major. I don't have a degree in English. I'm just me trying to talk about my product that I've decided I'm making at home and have on my Etsy shop or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I think a lot of people need confidence in this area too. What's the first step to writing good copy when you, let's just say you want to write something good that's going to be eye-catching on your Instagram post. Mm -hmm. So the first step, I would say even before you start crafting your copy, um, and I should say too that uh, if you don't have a journalism degree or if you don't have an English major, you're probably in a better space. <laughs> copywriting is so different from journalism or from you know your, your typical um, English composition, it's so different than that often actually people who have that kind of a background get a little bit tripped up because they're used to writing in full sentences or in paragraphs or, well, I can't use any contractions. I have to say it is instead of it's or that kind of thing. And that can trip you up. Um, so if, if you or your audience are thinking, oh, I don't have... I don't have those kind of qualifications, good. <laughs> You're in a good spot. You are ahead of some of the people. Um, but the first place to start is really to figure out um, how you want to sound. 
for some people, it's, it's very natural to sit down and write and it, it sounds like them. But for other people, they talk and uh, they talk to each other and they, they talk maybe uh, on webinars just off the cuff and, and they have no problem with that. But when they sit down to write, all of a sudden, like kind of like what I was saying before, it, it gets stilted. And they have these messages and they can't figure out even what, what, how to go about even crafting it. So the first thing to think about is your, your brand voice, which is really what is, what are your personality traits that you want to get across in your brand voice? And for, and I mean, literally the words that you're crafting, not your, your, your vocal voice. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, it's the, uh, the attributes of that, of uh, the style that you're writing. And for some people, it will literally be their own attributes. Some people want to have a slightly different, um, a different persona. Maybe they want to be a little bit more serious uh, or maybe they want to be a little bit uh, more kind of funky or daring or something like that. Um, but the, the best way to figure that out, if you ask me, uh, and you did, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> best way is to have a conversation with a, a good friend or with someone who is close, someone who's close to you, but within your demographic, your target audience demographic. Um, and you could have a conversation about anything, but even better, uh, talking about what you do and why it's important and record it. And then record it and listen back and try to listen back as if you were somebody else, as if this were a stranger. And just describe what this person, being you, sounds like. Does this person sound friendly? Does this person sound straightforward? Does this person sound authoritative? Does this person sound just all of the, the characteristics that, that come across when you're, when you're speaking about your subject? And what you'll end up with is this list that is essentially your brand voice. It's, it's the traits that you want to use when you're writing. So that when you put something together and, um, and uh, you're, you're using it for, for Instagram or for your website or for your emails or anything like that, you have this brand voice kind of checklist, really, that you can um, check your copy against. Because I don't know about you, but when I have writing, and I do this professionally, um, so there are some days when, it, for myself as well as for clients, there's some days when I sit down and it just, it flows and it's in my brand voice and it's perfect. And there are other days when I sit down and it's just, it's stilted. I have to try to get it out and it's it's just, it's not, does not sound like me. It sounds like I hired it out or something. But when you have days like that, or, or just for every piece of copy you create, you can check it against your brand voice checklist and say, okay, well, does this sound friendly? Well, no, actually, this doesn't sound very friendly. Does this sound kind of carefree? No, it's all right. So I have to change this up. So that's a really great place to start in terms of making sure that not only does that piece of, of copy sound like you, but every piece of copy you create sounds like you. And it sounds consistent across the board. So some days you don't sound, um, you know, light and airy and fun. And then others days you sound kind of dour and, and <laughs> using all the adjectives I can possibly think of. Um, yeah. That's a great first, that's a great first place to start before you even think about crafting your message. I love that. I love that. And you know, the funny thing is, is I tell people to do that exact same thing in terms of their voice. I tell them, record yourself mm -hmm. and listen as if you are just someone who stumbled across you on a Facebook live. Mm -hmm. 
and try and be really objective and think on those same things. But what I think you've done in taking it another step further is creating that brand voice checklist is so helpful then. Let's say you scale your business later and you do need to hire a copywriter. Mm-hmm. Yes. You've got a list of attributes to give mm-hmm. that copywriter so that the transition is seamless there and you can actually get some help in those yes. areas. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's say I've got complete writer's block Okay. and I don't know what to say. Do I, how do I spark some ideas based on the audience I'm talking to? Do I go to the library and flip through magazines and just start pulling headlines? Is that okay? Do I start searching the internet for someone who might have a similar target as I do? How much is borrowing and how much is, uh, you know, let's go there, plagiarizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you say um, go to the library and flip through magazines. Uh, and actually, a really good example of what I'm about to tell you is, it sounds kind of funny to say it, but is the magazine Cosmopolitan, Cosmo. And while it's very, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty frothy, silly magazine. Uh, if you look at the front of those magazines, they are really good at telling a story and getting at exactly what their target audience wants. They pique their interest and they get them attracted. Uh, And the way that they do that is when you have writer's block, this is what you should be thinking. And when you have writer's block, this is what you should be thinking of. Um, You need to be thinking of every time, every piece of content that you put out, you need to be thinking, your target audience will be thinking, what is in this? What's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? So when you create a piece of content, what are you giving to your, your target audience? What are they getting out of it? What is the, what is the end benefit for them? So for a sales page, for example, um, say it's a, a, say it's a, a vocal prowess course. What is the the greatest end benefit that they're going to get out of it? Is it going to be that it's going to help them land more clients or is it going to, you know, increase your revenue by X percent, that kind of thing. They want to know their top number one, the, the number one thing they're going to get out of it. And that can be the same thing with an email as well. You know, if you're writing an email and, um, and I'm just trying to think of a sample topic, but it's really kind of the same thing. If you are, if you have a reason for sending them an email, what is the reason that they should open it? What are they going to get out of opening it? And you put that in the subject line so they actually do open it mm-hmm. because subject lines are incredibly important, as you and I both know, because mm-hmm. if the subject line isn't great, nobody's going to read the rest of the email. If the rest of the right. email is great, but your subject line isn't, it's going to get deleted. So it's all about thinking in terms of what you are giving and what they are getting out of whatever it is you, you're creating. The first and foremost thing that I teach my students and that I do for my clients is you think in terms of benefits, the benefit to consumer, what they're getting out of it. And from there, things will start, to, things will fall a little bit more naturally. But when you are, like we were saying before, when you are focused on your consumer, your target audience versus focused on yourself, 
and what you want to say and what you think is more important when you're actually focused on your target audience and what they want and the goals that they're trying to accomplish and their greatest fears when you're focused on them it really helps you um, craft copy that is effective that's going to get them to open or you know click buy now or even like a post on Facebook or that kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah yeah, no borrowing necessary if you yeah. really are kind of in the zone there. Mm -hmm. um, that well, is such good advice. You, you're really telling me to reverse engineer this, mm -hmm. which, which is a fancy word. Don't be intimidated by that if you're listening and going, re reverse what? I love that you're just saying, what is the end result you want to help people with? And then mm -hmm. go backwards from there. How do they get there? Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, it's, it is okay if you see... Uh, a phrase or a word or something like that on a competitor site or other sites that you like it and it really resonates with you and it's it's and it resonates with your target audience mm -hmm. and it's within your your brand voice um, it is okay to use that you know if it's a, a short phrase or as long as it's not a trademarked phrase or something like that or you know the way that they they put something it's okay to borrow that and use it um, obviously you don't want to be using paragraphs uh, or anything <laughs> longer than that certainly not um, because yes, that is plagiarism and you may get a strongly worded letter from a lawyer. Um, but equally important to that for your own brand, when you start to sound like your competitors, you're the people who come to your site, to your competitor site and to your site can't tell the difference between the two of you. And they don't understand why they should work with you versus working with your competitor because you both sound the same. Mm. You know, and I, we've all been there where you get to, yeah, you get to someone's site and you think, oh my God, I love the way she said that. I just want to say it the exact same way. It's so, so perfect. But what's perfect for her may not be perfect for you. Uh, and even if it is perfect for her, if that is the way that she says it and she's known for saying it that way, it's probably not the way you should say it because that's her. You need to find your own special way to say it. I think that I think that sometimes people think, well, if I just have mostly the same words as my competitor, um, I have at least a 50-50 shot of getting the sale. If someone comes to both of our sites, uh, maybe they'll like my pictures better or you know, something like that. But uh -huh. um, you alluded to this earlier, but what actually happens is if someone comes to your site and they go to your competitor's site and you both sound the same, she doesn't buy from either of you because she can't tell the difference between you. So she goes and finds someone else who stands out and who, who speaks differently. Uh, you, neither of you get the sale. So you really want to make sure that the, the messaging that you craft is, is unique to you as much as possible. Right. I mean, this is branding 101. Yeah. In the past maybe five years or so, when we first started hearing, you are your brand, be your brand, even if you represent a bigger brand, you are still who people are following. Mm -hmm. Be yourself, be your brand. And I think a lot of people miss that very basic step is that no one else has your voice. Mm -hmm. No one else has your personality. No one else represents it, whether it's your own product or your, you know, maybe in a network marketing company where you're representing a very big company. Why would someone buy from you instead of the person next to you? It's mm -hmm. because of your voice and your story. Tell your story. 
I tell people this over and over again, and I think that is the basics of what people need to understand is once you start doing this, you won't need to borrow mm-hmm. from anybody else because you will have your own voice for your business. And I mean, that's the key right there. That is mm-hmm. the key to getting people to follow you over someone else who does the exact same thing. There's mm-hmm. room for everybody. And that's the beauty of this. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it's, you know, it's, it's easy once, once you are sitting at home on Facebook and you see all of these competitors and think, oh gosh, well they, you know, there, there, there isn't room for all of us. I have so many competitors and I might as well just borrow some of this and borrow some of that. And you're right. It's, it's really not true. There's plenty of room for, for everyone, no matter what field you're in, there are enough people in this world. If you get your messaging right, there are enough people in this world who will buy from you. That's right. And I I feel like the most successful people I know periodically say things like, you know what? I don't follow my competition. Mm -hmm. I don't because I want my own voice. I know there are people who do almost the same thing I do, but they don't do it the way I do. And I don't want to muddy the waters and wonder to myself, did I hear that from someone else? Or is that my own words? Mm-hmm. I'm following someone who does the same thing. And I think that's really smart. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. It's, it's smart for a number of reasons. Number one, you're not, you're not getting intimidated by all the other people, but yeah, you're not being swayed by the, the phrases that these people use. Um, and you can, you can start using things accidentally. You know, if you mm-hmm. hear or you read one of your competitors say something often and you are putting something together, that stuff can sneak in there without you even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah, it really can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's give ourselves the best chance of of really standing out by being ourselves and and don't bring in all that other stuff. Plus, it's a time suck and you don't need that. But yeah. let's say, you know, we can learn branding. We can learn business from mm-hmm. a bigger company and a bigger entity. Mm-hmm. So what do you think a small business who's just cracking the online world could learn from a big company? Mm, that's a great question. The, I think one of the biggest things that big companies do really well and do without even thinking about it, without blinking, uh, that most small businesses don't do is to test. Test their copy in their emails, especially in the subject lines, and test the copy in their Facebook ads. Um, I know a lot of business owners who will put something together and will just unleash it. And while it's better to, <laughs> better to ship it, better to get it out there than not get it out there at all, what's even better is to test different iterations. So for example, if you have, a, um, you have a, an, email, uh, an email series and um, you have, obviously you have subject lines for those email series. If you have this email series that's going to go out regularly to your, um, to your target audience, to your subscribers, most email providers, most email service providers will have an option that will let you quickly and easily, uh, A-B test is the term, um, mm-hmm. test one against the other, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, subject lines. And the great thing about that is you can test two subject lines, make them super different, put them in there, and you don't have to do anything. And then a day later, you find out exactly which one got 
opened more. And if, you know, email subject line A got opened 15, got a 15% open weight, open rate, and B got a 35% open rate, you have a big winner. Imagine if you'd just gone with A, if you had just taken A and sent it out, you'd be missing those, what did I say? 1535. So you'd be missing those 20% of people who wouldn't have even opened it and seen that message. So they're really easy ways to, to test your copy and make sure that what you're putting out there is the most effective thing. And you can do that with, um, there are programs that will let you do that with sales pages as well. And you can even just test headlines and they'll do it automatically. You put up the page and you work with these programs and, um, in, in, like I said, the, it will just automatically split your audience into two and it will let you know which one is winning and you say, okay, that's the one I want everyone to see. That's the winner. That's the one I want everyone to see. And with Facebook ads, you know, I know a, a lot of people who will just write an ad and put it up there. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But a better way to do that is to test. I mean, you want to test obviously all elements of it, the headline, the, the, um, the copy of the ad and the photo, mm -hmm. uh, if you're running a photo or video, whatever. But um, a better way to do this, just test that in pieces. So put up a Facebook ad that has the same headline and the same photo, but two ads, one has one set of copy and the other has another set of copy. Run them against each other for, you know, it depends on how big, what, you know, that kind of thing, but uh, how big your audience is, what you're spending, all that kind of, but, and keep an eye on it and see if one is really pulling into the lead. And if that one is pulling into the lead, great, pause the other one and then do a test with that, the winning body copy, and then create a new ad that has that winning body copy. But now you've got two different headlines and test your two different headlines. And then eventually once you have a headline winner, then you can test the, um, test the images as well. Testing is a really great way to get the most bang for your buck, and so very few small business owners are doing it. Yeah, I and you know I really wasn't thinking in terms of that is something that big companies do on a regular basis. There's oh, yeah. so much freedom in that. I think mm -hmm. not locking yourself down to I've got to have this perfect. Oh, yes. it didn't work. No, yeah. you know, hey, how much better would it be just for your own psyche and, and state of mind to be able to say, eh, I tried that, it didn't work, this one worked great, so mm -hmm. I'm going to move all my efforts over to that phrasing for that particular ad or that email. Oh my goodness, you know, we are so hard on ourselves as small business owners, we feel like we've got to get it right the first time. And if we don't, we are a failure. And I just love that. You know, big companies know mm -hmm. that testing is the key to coming up with the formula that works. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is, it's a lot of pressure to sit down and go, I have to get the sales page exactly right. Or I have to get this Facebook ad exactly right. I mean, as if writing copy weren't hard enough, Yeah. <laughs> then add that pressure to it. But you're right. When you have that, when you have that, I think it adds a little bit more play to it when you say, all right, well, I'm going to test a couple. So I could go this way or I could go this way. And it just makes it that much easier to explore knowing that you're not married to any of any of them and that you know when you have one there's when you're just putting one out into the world you have no real concept of if it's truly a winner or if it's i don't want to say a loser but you know not quite so much of a winner whereas when you have two up against each other it's 
it's plain as day, which one is, is doing better. And it doesn't mean that the one that the other one you wrote isn't, isn't any good. It's just not as effective in that medium for that audience. And mm-hmm. the, one of the little secrets about copywriting is that it's always, it's always best foot forward. You know, I mean, as copywriters, we have a lot of training and a lot of experience and we're very good at, um, at getting into your target audience's shoes and taking them, your message and, and really kind of translating it into words that your target audience is going to connect with. We're very good at that, but it's always best foot forward. You Mm -hmm. know, there's the, you can, you can apply all of those techniques, but even still, sometimes it, it's, it's, you can't tell in advance which subject line is really going to hit it with people and mm. which subject line isn't, or which Facebook ad is really going to connect with them and which one isn't. And that can change on, on, a, on a monthly, if not weekly basis. You know, you're the, the effectiveness of your Facebook ad can change based on what's going on in the world and Mm. what people are thinking about, you know, if um, a a Facebook ad that, that might have worked really well at one point might not work as well at that, at that current point in, in time. So testing, you make up for that. Yeah, that is such a good point. Such a good point. I think, I think what I'm hearing from you is have fun with it. And give yeah. yourself some freedom, freedom mm-hmm. to experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, yeah. I think, and I think too, one of the reasons that a lot of people do borrow copy um, is because it's kind of scary. It's, and I certainly understand that when you sit down with a blank page and you go, oh my God, how am I going to convey all of the things that I have to convey? Um, it is kind of scary. But if you think of it more in terms of what you are offering and how you're serving people and um, a great way to kind of get yourself going is to think in terms of, okay, well, how would I write this as a letter to my best friend? How, and oh, I love it, that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to stay in that order. And it does, you know, that, that you don't necessarily want to write that out that way and then put it up on your site as your sales page. But that can be a really great way to just get some of those messages out and get them out in a way that feels conversational and feels natural. And then as you go through, you can go, oh yeah, you know what? That's the right phrase. Or, oh yeah, that's great. Or if I just change this around, hey, that'd be a great headline or something like that. But sitting down and just Imagining writing a letter, writing an email is probably a little bit more appropriate. Writing an email to a close friend about whatever it is you're trying to convey can also take some of that pressure off. You're not writing to your thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. You're just writing to your friend. And this is what you have to say, but it's also really important. So you want to make sure that she knows this and this and this, and this is how it's going to help her and this and this and this. Yeah, this is a you know another crossover here because this is exactly also what I tell people in terms of their voice when they're going live on social media. Mm-hmm. Don't say you guys. Don't yeah. say you all. Mm-hmm. You're talking to one person. Mm-hmm. You're talking yeah. to one person, and I hear you saying that too. It's just as important in written copy as it is when you turn your phone on yourself and go live on Mm -hmm. Instagram or Facebook or any of the media that are out there now. Mm -hmm. Just one person on the other side of that. There's just one person reading your email and don't, don't say you guys. So Mm -hmm. how important is that kind of phrasing in terms of knowing 
you know, if your copy's any good or not? Like, how can you gauge people's responses? Well, the, the, one of the quickest ways, well, not one of the quickest ways, but the most basic way, if we're talking about a sales page or if we're talking about an email is, is whether they take the action you ask them to take. Hmm. So if you say, you know, click here or share this with a friend or sign up for my email or make this purchase, if they take that action, if they do what you ask them to do, you, it's a good sign that it's working well. And I know that sounds pretty basic, but, um, but it's, it's one of the most, one of the easiest ways to really figure out if they, if, if what you're writing is working and, when you think of it too, in terms of the entire messaging flow, it can help you figure out where your problems are. Like mm-hmm. say, for example, you're running a Facebook ad to a landing page to sign up for your newsletter, or you, you would say opt in for an ebook. And then you have series of three emails and then they get to your sales page and then you ask them to purchase. And maybe you have an upsell afterwards. When you look at that flow and you go, okay, all right, I got a good response at this point. If you've got a good response on, say, you got a lot of people to click over to the landing page from your Facebook ad, generally, that means your Facebook ad is written pretty well. But if they get to your landing page and they're not signing up for your ebook, then the problem's on your landing page. It's either something in the way your landing page is written or in the, the kind of ebook that you're offering. But chances are you mentioned the ebook in your Facebook ad. So it's probably the writing of your landing page. You're not making it exciting for them to sign up with for. Um, and then same thing as you know, if they sign up for the, if they sign up for your ebook, but they're not opening your nurturing email sequence. All right, your messaging problem is in there. Mm. Or, you know, you get to, or everything's good up until your landing page and, excuse me, good up until your sales page and then people aren't converting there. You know, it's probably on your sales page or in your offer, but that's the two are kind of interconnected. Whereas I think most people forget that there's a whole flow. And, you know, they do a launch and they have that whole flow and people don't convert on their landing page. And they think, it must just be my landing page. Well, actually, no. If you go back and look at your numbers, look at your metrics and see what people were engaging with and where and how and how much and in what ratios, uh, you may find that the, the problem isn't really on your sales page. It was something earlier. But because people dropped off at a certain point, you have far fewer people that are ending up at that far end of the, of the funnel, far end of your process. And that's why you're not getting a ton of sales because at some point, a lot earlier, they started dropping off. And that's a great test to see where, where you have a problem with your copy. If people start dropping off at a certain point in your funnel, you can zero in on that and fix it or better yet, test it. Wow. Okay. So let's say, I I see that you have uh, some freebies on your website and Mm -hmm. one of them is called, don't say that, eight (laughs) common things solopreneurs say and why they stop people from buying. I have Mm -hmm. a feeling that's what you're talking about right now. So I have this book called Words That Sell. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been out forever. They keep revising it. Are, is that even applicable anymore? Are there certain words and phrases that automatically turn people off and some that automatically make them go, yeah, I'll take that? 
You know, it's it's funny because you would think with all of the, <laughs> all of, not just the many years that human beings have been talking, but just the advances in technology and the, the ways we have of communicating, you would think that it would have changed drastically. But there's still a few words that are much more likely to convert and a few things that you can say that um, that seem natural or that you hear a lot of people saying that um, keep people from converting so words like words like free are always going to be uh, they're always going to give a, a lift to your to your click-throughs or to your opens or that kind of thing. People want things that are free, and we are primed to look for that word. I think sometimes people are afraid to say free because, oh, no, it's on salesy or it sounds – no, if it's free, you need to let people know because they want free things. And okay. just because they sign up for something free doesn't mean they're not going to pay you later. Um, and even just using the word you. I mean, we said, you know, don't say you guys because – people aren't, there aren't thousands of people huddled in front of their computer watching your, your Facebook live. But, um, but at the same time, using the word you or your, as in Y-O-U-R, um, belonging to one singular person, uh, always catches people's attention. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a silly little thing, but it has consistently worked since the dawn of the advertising and marketing age. Calling people, talking to people directly makes a makes a huge difference in in the the um, effectiveness of your copy and then on the other side of the coin yeah there there are a lot of things that people will say that um that turn people off like off the top of my head um okay off the top of my head people will say, often in a webinar i think too but in emails and sales pages people will say things like i know what you're thinking or I know how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know me. We're strangers. And the problem is, is that something like that, you're, you're trying to build a relationship with people. And what that does is it automatically creates a rift in that relationship because it wow. makes them go, oh, wait a minute. Wait, what do you mean you, you know what I'm thinking? No, you don't know what I'm thinking. And it, for some people, it's going to be a little bit sharper than others, a little bit more... But um, but it it creates this rift that that interrupts the building of that relationship. Anytime you make them pause and go, oh, well, oh wait, um, no, you you don't know what I'm thinking. Wait a minute, you don't know me. Wait a minute, who are you? When why am I listening to you and all that? It, it just it spirals. Hmm. And the thing is, is that that people say that because they want to connect with people. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're, I know how you're feeling. Um, but the truth is that they, they don't, they're guessing at it. And that's a much better way to say it or to, to convey their experience and say, Hey, does this sound familiar? Has this ever happened to you? Or when, you know, when I was in this scenario, here are the things that I struggled with, yada, yada, yada. Or let me there tell you guys. Would it even be effective to say you may be thinking or is that just as bad? No, that's absolutely fine because it's not presupposing that okay. you know someone. Absolutely. That's a great way around it. This is so helpful. This is awesome. So, all right, you are a professional copywriter. Mm -hmm. Let's say there's someone listening who just Googled how to become a professional copywriter, came up with this podcast and wants to, to know how do I do this as a job? Like, I love this. I think this would be 
fascinating. I don't have my own products. I don't really want to do that, mm -hmm. but I think I would like to be a professional copywriter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Steps. How do you do that? It's a fun career. I have to say, uh, I'm a big fan clearly. Uh -huh. Um, well, you know, when, when people ask me, I say, I say, I'm going to tell you, but bear in, but bear with me. Cause it's going to sound simple. But the thing is, is that first you have to get training. Second, you have to get experience. And third, you have to get people to pay you for it and the pay you to do it. And the reason that most people fail when they're getting into copywriting or really when they're, when they're changing careers is because they skip step one, the training, or they skip step two, the experience, or they skip both of them. You know, they, 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 they don't know how to write copy yet, but they say, all right, you know what? I'm going to be a copywriter. So I'm going to call myself a copywriter and I'm going to put up a website and I'm going to start trying to get clients. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. it, like any other, like any other industry, copywriting is, is a skilled trade. It's, you have to know what you're doing. Um, so you have to, you have to learn how to do it. Now, the, one of the reasons that I started my company um, is because there aren't really a lot of great resources out there to learn how to do it. Like you can't major in copywriting in college. Um, mm -hmm. There are one or two big, um, big, I will put it in air quotes that you can't see because this is a podcast, but <laughs> know that I'm using my fingers to make air quotes. Um, one or two big copywriting schools, um, but that don't actually really teach you real copywriting. You know, they teach you online sales letters, which nobody even does anymore. Um, but I don't know, 20 years ago, they made money doing it. So they're just stuck mm -hmm. with it. Uh, so one of the reasons I created it was, was I wanted to give people who love writing and would like to actually make a decent living with their more than decent. It's a great living with their copywriting, with their writing skills. So I created my company to train them in how to do it, um, help them build their experience uh, help them build their portfolio, help them find the first clients, help them parlay that into more clients, all that kind of thing. No. Yeah. When I called my company, uh, I called my company filthy rich writer, um, which there you <laughs> go. Yes. When, well, whenever that I post me something, want to click on I it. get some, some comment about like, oh, that's, you know, it's a scam or, um, but I, I call that because I want people to stop and to, I want that to stop them and go, well, wait a minute. Is that possible? Is that really possible? And for me being again, air quotes, filthy rich means having a job you love being good at it and being paid well to do it. I mean, that is, that's what we're all hoping for, right? Yes. And for someone who loves writing, copywriting can absolutely can absolutely be that that avenue. Yeah, that sounds fun to me too. <laughs> I love writing, but sometimes I don't like writing for myself. You know, it's so funny. I know there writing are others like me. Always there. hardest. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I I love all of the tips and information that you've given us today, Nikki. So. How can people contact you if they want to know more about what you have to offer? Um, they can. The best place to find me is uh, copyforsolopreneurs.com. And then really they have three options there. Uh, if they want to work with me, that's great. You can get in touch with me. Um, they can, well, okay, they kind of don't have the second option because it's in development, but they'll have the opportunity to learn from me very soon and putting together some courses, uh, things like how to write Facebook ads, how to write webinars, how to write sales pages, all that kind of thing geared for 
the entrepreneur for the solopreneur. Um, and then the third option is a brand new Facebook group, free Facebook group that I created that I built to connect my copywriting students with entrepreneurs who are looking for copy help. So my students are trained, but they're a little bit newer than, than I am or you know, more mid-range copywriters are. So they're a little bit newer and they're not they're skilled, but they're not charging yet at those pro level prices. Hmm. And so the group will have my copywriting students and then really any entrepreneurs who have copy needs are welcome to join and just post their, post their requests or post their needs or, or questions or anything like that. And I really kind of created it as an opportunity for, to help my students find possible clients, um, no guarantees on either side, but find possible clients and also give entrepreneurs an opportunity to work with people who are skilled copywriters, but aren't yet at that like master or pro level pricing. Um, it's a completely free group and you know, my company doesn't take any cuts or commissions or anything like that. Um, it's really just to, to connect those two groups. So if, um, there are anyone, if there is anyone who's listening, um, you can go to copy for solopreneurs and uh, click on the, um, learn, work with my students, a link, and that'll give you some information about the group and let you go over and, and join the group. And again, it's a free group. Um, we're just getting it started at the beginning of this month. So, uh, so yeah. it's a little bit quiet at the moment, but everyone is welcome to come and join. That sounds great. That sounds mm -hmm. great. I love those resources. And I will make sure that there is a clickable link in the show notes of this show so that you can just go there, click on it and be sent straight to Nikki's website and her Facebook group and all those good things that she mentioned. She has some freebies on her website too that I think you'll be interested in. Um, let, me, let me just say what those two titles are. These are the offers you'll see when you click on her website. Uh, what to say when 22 pre-written replies for difficult, annoying, or just plain tricky interactions. Mm -hmm. And then the one that we mentioned before, don't say that, eight common things solopreneurs say and why they stop people from buying. Both of those great resources and worth signing up for Nikki's um, email list so that you can get more valuable information from her. And let me just say that sometimes just getting on someone's email list sparks an idea in you. Mm -hmm. Not that you are copying, but just seeing how other people are doing things. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's how we learn as humans is we, we interact, we learn. And I love that you took the time to be with us today, Nikki, to share your knowledge and your expertise about really finding the best way to craft your message to get to be heard really on social media these days. So thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you, Tammy. This was so much fun. Oh my goodness, I really feel like I could listen to that interview about five or six more times and gain something new and valuable from it each and every time. I'm sure you feel the same way. So hey, listen again, listen again and again until you really feel like you've taken on the information that you need to write a better story for your brand. Ugh, it's so important, I can't even tell you. So listen, Connect with Nikki on her website, copyforsolopreneurs.com. I'm going to link up to her website in the show notes. And while I have you here, I want to let you know that I'm here to help you as well. 
I have something new coming out. I'm actually relaunching. This will be cycle two of what used to be called the seven day vocal makeover. Um, I'm, I'm relaunching it though, and it's going to be new and improved and it's called a confident voice. Now, listen, if you feel like you need some confidence in your voice, like if your voice is the thing that's holding you back from sharing your message to the world, I want to help you remove that roadblock. You've got a passion. You've got either a ministry to pursue, a passion to pursue, a calling to pursue. Something is going on with you and you are telling yourself, no one's going to like my voice. Or you're telling yourself, I don't sound like I have any authority. Or you're telling yourself, no one will believe me. That's not true. And I want to help you past that roadblock. So go right now to aconfidentvoice.com, aconfidentvoice.com, and sign up for the wait list. We will be launching in just a few weeks, and there will be a group coaching option if you feel like you need more help and more work uh, directly with me every week. And I'm just really excited about being able to provide this to you in the weeks ahead so that you can just launch into the rest of 2019 ready to kick that roadblock to the curb to know that you have the confidence in your voice that you need to unlock your story and be heard. Okay, I want to help you be heard. So go to aconfidentvoice.com and connect with me. I'm Tammy Romani on all social media. If you wouldn't mind giving me a five-star review on this podcast, that would be so helpful. And also give me a review and send me a message on any of the social media outlets that you find me on. Send me a DM and let me know what topics you would like me to cover here on this podcast. I'm here to serve you and I hope that we can connect very soon. See you next time.